0: My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. Welcome back to the Leading Yourself podcast. Before we jump into today's podcast episode, I just want to remind you that this week is the Thrive Conference this Thursday and Friday, we're hosting the Thrive 2022 conference live under the theme of reinvention. If you haven't grabbed a ticket yet, please go to the show notes of this podcast episode to grab a completely free ticket to join this two day live event. If you can't make it live, no worries go to the link, you'll find a couple of options where you can get access to the replay of the event. But let me tell you something, you want to be live for this event, because we have an amazing platform on which you're going to be able to interact live with our speakers. And talking about our speakers, we have an amazing lineup of speakers, people that are mentors and role models, people that have influenced and impacted my life this year in ways that I'm extremely grateful. And I am super, super grateful and excited for you to hear directly from them. Remember, the theme of this year's conference is reinvention. We're going to be talking about reinvention from different perspectives and different angles. We're going to be talking about reinventing your life. We're going to be talking about reinventing your career and your finances and your health and much more. So you don't want to miss it. Go grab your free ticket and I'll see you there this Thursday and Friday. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. This week we are, uh, we have a really special guest. I'm really honored to have Jem Fuller with us. Um, Jem and I just connected via the crazy world of the internet. And that's what I love about the internet these days and social media, that you get to connect with people that otherwise you would never connect with. And Jem is one of those persons, and I'm so excited and so grateful that you're here with us today.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show, Carolina. And I agree with you. It's it's wonderful. And, you know, it's when you're meeting people, you know, the way we met through a platform like this, I, I find, I, I don't know about you, um, but I find that the people that you meet, are positive people who are really trying to make a a positive difference in the world because that's why they're like you you know you're you're taking the effort to put on a podcast and have a show and invite guests because you're hoping to make a positive difference so not only do you meet lots of people you meet lots of good people doing good work which is really lovely have you found that as well
0: I can't agree more you know I think that in today's world you can be tainted in a very negative way if you just depending on what you're looking at but I find that when you're in this space right of personal development um, you always find people that have amazing missions purpose intentions that want to make a positive impact in the world and that just lifts you up in ways that it's hard to describe
1: yeah. Yeah. It's funny. People, some people have said to me, oh, you know, you just have your head in the sand. You're just in this bubble of good people doing good stuff and you're, you're ignoring reality. There's terrible things going on in the world and there's terrible people. And I say, yeah, I know I'm doing it on purpose <laughs> because you know, I, I know people who every, their their social media feed is all the terrible stuff and all the nasty people and all the horrible things. I know those things are going on. I just don't want to focus on that. I want to focus right. on what what is possible, good people, and what can we do th- to make a positive difference. So if you look in my social media feed, it's all, you know, positive stuff. and um, And I'm happy to be in that bubble, you know.
0: Yeah, I am like you. I like to turn the volume down on the negative news and turn the yep. volume up on all the inspiring and motivating people yep. that are doing great things. So, Jem, let's start by. Can you share a little bit about your background? You have such a fascinating background. Um, You know, I was, as I was learning more about you and your work, I mean, you went from barefoot backpacking year in India to being a corporate multinational leader. You've been. Everywhere I'm done a little bit of a lot of different things. So tell us a little bit about who you are and your background, and what you're doing yeah, today.
1: Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I have I have packed a lot of weird and wonderful things into this into this life, um, and I kind of feel like I'm only halfway there as well. Uh, so who am I now? I'm I'm I just turned 51. Um, I'm a partner and a father between me and my beautiful. Um, partner we have four teenagers and we live here in Australia I work as an exec and senior leader coach uh, author speaker and international retreat facilitator so we run retreats in the Himalayan mountains and in Bali and in Australia um and so I, yeah. Look, I live this wonderful life, but it hasn't always been so wonderful. There's been lots of ups and downs, obviously, like there is for for everybody. But prior to this, um, prior to my midlife awakening, I call it, but it was a, it was. Other people call it a midlife crisis. So in my early 40s, I lost my my corporate career, lost my um, my marriage, my home, everything, except my children. Um, And but prior to that, I was in a suit and a tie working for a a multinational um, corporate company, a travel company and in senior leadership and earning a lot of money and, you know, um, driven to driven to drive, you know, that net profit growth every month that the corporate leader has to has to do. And I wasn't happy at all, but I was pretending to be happy um but that really wasn't me you know prior to that i was um very anti-establishment i was a bohemian i'd been travelling around the world for most of my adult life and i'd everything from fire dancer to tattooist barefoot backpacker kindergarten teacher uh, volunteer in third world countries um on a, really on a uh, i had a thirst to travel to countries that were very different to mine so i wanted to Uh, immerse myself into foreign cultures and meet uh, foreign people from very different uh, backgrounds to me. And so that had me traveling around the world and doing lots of crazy different things. So there you go. I've given it to you in reverse.
0: That is so fascinating. And I think life at the end of the day is not about the accomplishments. It's about the experiences, the memories you treasure. And it, it sounds to me um again, I like to look at things from an optimistic perspective and a half full glass. It feels it feels to me that you've had a really rich experiences that really have made life fascinating. And, and that is just amazing. I like you, I love traveling. I don't travel as much as I would like to. Um, uh, but learning about other cultures for me is also just fascinating. So before we get into the topics that I want to cover today, because I know that you're doing a lot of work in the space of resilience and communication and all of these work, um, what, are, what is one thing that, of from all these experiences, what is that one country, one place, one culture that was like, you know, that m- most memorable thing that, that you've experienced in this journey?
1: Wow. Um and I know it's a
0: hard question to pick one. Yeah, and,
1: yeah but I, I, I mean I guess I guess if I had to pick one, I would say India because I keep going back there. I first um traveled to India in the early nineteen nineties. Um and yeah, and that's the that's the one country and particularly um in the northwest of India up in the Himalayan mountains. There's a a region up there, and in particular, a a village called Naga, which is in between. It's where India pokes up um, on the northwest. And on one side is Tibet, and one side is Pakistan, and India kind of is in between Tibet and Pakistan. And the the Himalayan mountains up there are absolutely beautiful, and I fell in love with a family up there. They're they're like my second family. I'm a son and a brother to them, and I've known them for over twenty years. And my partner and I run retreats there apart from COVID. COVID put a pause on that, but we're going back this year. So we run leadership retreats up in these mountains every year. So I would have to say India, but in particular, Himachal Pradesh is this state in the north of India that I fell in love with.
0: Awesome. So you mentioned your retreats. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I think it's something, it's one of those experiences that, not many people get to experience what what tell tell us a little bit about what this retreats are about what walk us through what is a retreat and, and especially specifically the ones that you host
1: yeah absolutely look i think a retreat is where you get to quite literally retreat not retreat as in um move backwards from the the front the front the war zone (laughs) the front of the war zone but also maybe kind of metaphorically it is like that you know you're you're coming off the front line and you are retreating from your day to day and so a, a, a retreat a modern retreat really is taking some time out of your normal paradigm your normal busy life and some time to reflect my retreats are specifically a long way from home um, because to to make the journey to get there, um it makes the experience of being there more special. if you if it's if it's just in your local town, then you haven't really had to go through any uh, adventure to arrive there. So it's you know it's mm-hmm. not as special. But when you have to make the effort to get on a plane and fly and then change to another plane and fly to a foreign land, um, that's special. And then also uh, my retreats are in countries that are very different culturally. Um, so you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> you know, you've gone to the the land of Oz. Um, also, my retreats have to be in places of stunning nature. Really, really breathtaking, beautiful nature, um, because it's important to remove ourselves from the car and the building and the you know the the devices and the machines and everything. So um, the retreat the retreats I run have to be in really beautiful, breathtaking nature. And then the retreat themselves. There's content. This Himalayan retreat. There is uh, some days where we were in a in a yoga room in a mountain village surrounded by Himalayan mountains, um, a very small village, not many people, very. Beautiful and quiet. And we do content. The content on my retreats, we come back to a connection of self. So, a rediscovery and an exploration of self and who you are, Uh, a reconnection to the greater system. So, being part Mm -hmm. of the greater system rather than separate. So, we talk about things like flow how do I access flow? Uh, which brings more success then we talk about a reconnection to a sense of purpose so what is your higher purpose why why are you really here what can the meaning be to your life and then the last um, conversation is a reconnection to others so we talk about human behavior and um, you know how can we connect more deeply with others we talk about compassion and how can we access compassion communication connection, all of these beautiful things. And then we walk, then we go trekking and we trek um, with pack horses that carry all of the equipment, all of the gear, um, local guides, and we walk remotely. so there's no people where we go. We're not on a we're not on a tourist path with lots of other backpackers or tourists. We go completely remotely um, and it's off the grid so your phone doesn't work which is just wonderful. No one can ring you. <laughs> um, so that's that's the Himalaya retreat. It's quite um, adventurous, this one. And, you know, we're ca- you're camping and camping in the mountains. It gets very cold at night. You have to have all the right gear. Um, and it's not for everybody, this one. In fact, when I first started running the Himalayan retreat, I had a female client of mine say to me, um, Jem, the, the content sounds amazing, but I don't want to go and camp in the snow. Could you do a five-star villa version <laughs> in Bali? And I said, Oh, that's a great idea. So I started running this five-star version in Bali. And she said to me, you know, I think um it would be a wonderful thing if you did a retreat just for women. So I started running a woman's retreat, which I didn't even think about it at the time, but I look back now and go, wow, I was a man running a woman's retreat. Was that a crazy idea? But it wasn't crazy. It was really successful. And, and I felt completely honored, really honored to be able to hold space for these wonderful women to come on retreat. And that one is five-star there's, there's, um, you know, spa treatments and cocktails by the pool and all that kind of thing. So that's a different version of the same retreat.
0: Sounds wonderful. You know, this year for the listeners of the podcast, they know this because I've been talking about this all year, but Every year, I always like to pick like a word for the year. It's it's something I've been doing for years. And it's just a way of setting intention for the year and setting focus for what I want to immerse myself and focus on during the year. And my word this year, 2022, is reinvention. And uh-huh. it's, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, all the things you're talking about are all the things that personally I've been working on this year. And I came to realize that reinventing yourself starts with rediscovering yourself to come home to who you truly are, because we're buried. We were talking about the media and the news and the things that are going around us. And I think a lot of times we buried ourselves under the expectations of society, under our own limiting beliefs, under our assumptions of what people expect of us that we tend to forget really who we are in our essence and what is our purpose. So it sounds like your retreats are a wonderful experience for people to rediscover themselves, find their purpose, but also also reconnect, right? Because at the end of the day, we're social beings and we can't just be on our own. We need to be part of the bigger society. And so it sounds really, really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's so true what you were just saying, Carolina. and um, and it's a beautiful duality in terms of, you know, we are alone in terms of our our understanding of this existence, but at the same time, exactly the same time, we are we only exist in relationship with others. You know, if you were completely on your own and there was nobody around you, you wouldn't have a sense of me. You wouldn't have that sense of self. Um, You you know, you'd probably still be conscious and, and, and aware of, of living, of being, but you wouldn't have a sense of self and without each other, we can't exist. We, we very much need each other. Like you said, we're social creatures. And I, I only, um, can be in relationship with you if you know what I mean
0: mm-hmm. so it's
1: yeah it's a beautiful thing and and I love what you were saying about reinvention you know I've had a couple of um, I've had a couple of identity crises in my life when I was once when I was in my um, late 20s and I had an identity crisis and I really didn't know who I was and um, that was a quite a hard time um and, and then I, you know, spent years walking around Asia, mainly in the Indian subcontinent, India, Pakistan, Tibet, <clears throat> um, China and Bangladesh, these places, to reinvent myself. And I found that it was um, an opportunity, you know, an opportunity to think, who do I want to be? what sort of a person do i want to be and really and then the remembering part is remembering to your core values you know what are the what sort of values do you want to imbue and embody as you show up each day um so that was in my late 20s and then in my early 40s i had again an identity an identity it wasn't really a crisis it was an opportunity to really remember um my values again and and who I want to be and what's my purpose in life and, and how do I want to show up and, and then really about how do I want to serve? You know, it's, it's, it's not so much about me anymore. You know, I've done all of this in my first half of my life, a lot of who am I and how does it all work and how do I fit in here and all of these questions. And now so much, it's like it's okay. I know who I am now. That bit's fine. Now it's really I'm more curious about how can I serve, how can I make a difference, and how can I connect with you? You know,
0: I can relate to that so much. Um, I work in the corporate in corporate America, and always being in I've been half corporate jobs, right? And I re- remember right starting my career. I consider myself to be very ambitious in the very best sense of the world on the, on the word right of wanting to do more and learn more and and grow and and I'm I'm that kind of person that is always looking to learn and evolve and and grow um as a person right but I like you this year has been a lot of reconnecting with how can I serve how can I it's not about me growing that is a that is a collateral effect of me serving.
1: Yeah, yeah, beautiful.
0: So I'm going to do like a 365 degree turn (laughs) from our conversation because the main reason why I connected Mm -hmm. with you and we're talking about today is on this topic that you have developed expertise and now you're serving others and it's around communication. And when I think about communication, as I said, working in the corporate world, I always tell people that 80% of all problems that exist in corporations are a communication problem, right? It's, it's always either you were not clear in what you were trying to convey or it was the, there was a misalignment of expectations that boiled down to that more communication. Um, So when I think about the 80-20 rule, right, I'm like 80 percent of all problems we have can boil down to communication. And I want to hear your perspective on this as, as someone that has really invested in this area. Now you're serving and helping others to develop in this area of communication. What is your perspective on this?
1: Oh, if I was in the room when you were saying that to a, to a room full of people, I'd be going, yes, yes, what she said, what she said. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I agree with you. I, and I, I, it's, yes, it's in corporate, um, in, in work, in our professions as well, and in our personal lives. You know, you you look at a couple, say, for example, a couple, and they love each other and they, they both love each other, but they're missing each other in the communication so one person in the relationship is trying to communicate in a particular way, the other person's not understanding them and communicating in a different way, and they're missing each other. So they feel then there's tension in the relationship and they fight mm-hmm. and they build resentment and the relationship's not harmonious. And it's not because they don't love each other, it's because they're missing each other in the communication. And and also, um, you know, for example, in the social in the the online social world at the moment, you know, have people with different opinions on something and they're not communicating, they're just shouting at each other online, you know, shouting at each other, typing in with the caps lock on, you know, um, political people politically um, on the left and the right, the blue and the red, and you know, and they're not communicating with each other to try and make the world a better place. They're just shouting at each other to try and cancel each other on Twitter, you know it's it's um it's really kind of crazy because that doesn't actually advance the situation that doesn't help humanity evolve you know and i understand that we have different opinions that's beautiful that's diversity i understand that we have different ideas on on right and wrong or good and bad or how things should be and that's and in and in a corporation as well, we have different opinions. So someone from the sales department might have a different idea to someone from the finance department. That's okay, That's beautiful. We should celebrate the diversity of thinking, but when we can remember that we have the same higher purpose. So for example, if you're in working in the same organization, the organization has a reason that it exists. So let's come back to remember what we have in common, which is this higher purpose of the organization. So we're here to, to achieve this. So let's now work together and communicate effectively to come up with the best idea for the organization, not the best idea for me, not the best idea for you, the best idea for the organization. You know, it's like in a relationship when two people love each other, let's remember that we are together because we love each other and together we can create um, you know love and happiness and security and children and whatever so let's talk about what's best for the relationship and come to each other and listen you know and seek to understand or for example we live together in the same country with the same access to the same, well, are not the same access but the same limitations of resources in this country and we want this country to be a better place so if you're pro this and i'm pro that anti-vax or vax, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever. Can we sit down, please, and seek to understand rather than just shouting at each other because that doesn't help. So you see this, your 80-20 rule of communication. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. And I think it applies across all aspects of life, you know. And even when you think about this, Carolina, even when you have an idea, to, to manifest that idea into reality, you can't do it without communication. You know, Einstein could have had these amazing understandings of the physical universe, but if Einstein couldn't communicate those ideas, they would have amounted to nothing. So it's so much in the communication.
0: Totally agree. And to that point, I, you know, I am one of the books that have impacted me the most is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Covey always talks about that everything that we see, everything that we experience has been created always twice, right? First in our minds and then in the physical world. And as I'm listening to you, I'm like, yeah, there's the bridge between those two is how we communicate what is in our minds. So it can't become a reality, right? In in our physical world. And I think as I'm listening to you, and this is something that I've learned maybe the hard way, you know, because I'm the kind of person that always has an opinion. And um I like to be heard and I like to be seen. That the same way that this 80-20 rule of communication is 80% of the root cause of a lot of the problems that we have, I think we think communication, the skill of listening. Is something that is so much missed, right? When we think about communication, we think about expressing an idea, right, and and talking. We're not thinking about the listening part, and I think in in what you're saying, um, that resonates a lot with me, right? In order to look at to that common higher purpose, and to understand each other, we need to start by being able to listen and listen really to understand, not to. Think about how I'm going to push back and refute on your idea so my idea prevails.
1: Yeah, so true. It's so true to listen and it's a mindfulness practice, you know, to sit in the moment and to be listening with curiosity and seeking to understand and like you said, not queuing up to speak, not thinking, oh, I, I just, I I'm gonna, I want to say, <laughs> not doing that, just really um, becoming mindful and present in the moment and listening and seeking to understand is a really beautiful thing. And this doesn't mean that we always have to necessarily agree. You know, I can listen to you and seek to understand where you're coming from. That doesn't mean I have to agree with you at the end. But... In the moment of seeking to understand, I'm really curious to, to 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 do what I can to understand where you're coming from.
0: How can you, know, you cultivate thought... that curiosity if if someone like me struggled to listen and to not interrupt? And um, how can you develop that curiosity in understanding the other person's points of view? Do you have any strategies, any tips that you can share with us?
1: yeah sure. Um, i'll i'll get I'll get to a very a few specific strategies that are very um, um, practical that you and your listeners can can take away from this. but before I do a little bit more um, broadly, we need to I believe I believe it's functional and helpful to um, to cultivate a perspective, that I'm not so important, you know, an awareness of my ego, our ego is driving the bus reactively immediately all the time, right? We take everything personally and we defend our sense of identity like this, you know? So if we feel that our our ideas are challenged or our political point of view is challenged or our sense of who we think we are is challenged, we fight that we defend and jump in and react, that's our ego mm-hmm. as we can become more aware of our ego and pop it to the side a little bit and just notice it and say hey ego i see you but but we're safe and because the ego essentially the ego is trying to keep us safe yeah it's fueled by fear and it's trying to protect us but we quite often we're not actually in danger <laughs> you know there's no lion coming along the savanna plains to right. eat us I'm just sitting in in a boardroom with you and we're just discussing ideas on our business. So I'm not actually in danger. So to 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 start to cultivate the awareness that I'm safe right now, ego I'm just going to pop you to the side and I'm just going to listen. I've got nothing to defend because we're so defensive. So that's the bigger picture concept concept of it. Mm-hmm. In terms of practical um things to do to to cultivate the ability to do that to put the ego to the side um oh which one first i want to share a few things i strongly recommend a practice of mindfulness meditation you know mindfulness is an awareness of the present moment with no judgment no attachment just simply noticing what you can notice in the present moment now it's simple but it's not so easy right right? because we have very busy brains so we're noticing our breath or we're noticing our thoughts, or we're noticing the, the temperature in the room, or we're noticing whatever we can notice, and we get very distracted. Every few seconds, we get carried away with our thoughts and distracted. That's okay. That's normal. Just come back to the practice of noticing. So this is a practice of mindfulness. This is mind training. If you dedicate yourself to a daily practice of mindfulness, even just a few minutes each day, you get better at it you are developing the ability of the mind to remain present and not attached, not defensive. So this is a practice that for me has been really powerful. Um, Also, another thing, a practical thing, start to notice how quickly you form judgment to information that you hear. So whether that be if you're watching the television, if you're watching the news and and you hear some news, notice how you have judgment immediately. Or if you're scrolling on social media and you see something on social media, notice how you, you see something and you go, oh, you have a judgment on it immediately,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Or when someone says something that you have your, your idea, your judgment is, is immediate, notice that. And if you can create a moment and pause in your mind, pause and just go, wow, how else could this be perceived? So I know I've got my idea on what's going on right now, but I'm just curious, how else could this be perceived, right? And if you teach yourself to just stop and pause, take a breath and ask yourself, how else could this be? Then this becomes, um, again, it's it's a neurological practice and you can start to notice how quickly you are judging and, and um you know, you have an opinion immediately on things. So this is just really a training, a practical training to um, allow you to be more curious, more open-minded to other potential ways.
0: Yeah, I love that because I I always say at work, right I I firmly believe if we talk about a work setting, but I think you can apply this to other settings, right, that people come to work with the best of their intentions. People come yeah. to work wanting to do a good job. They don't come to work saying today, I'm going to make your day miserable. Today, yeah. I'm going to argue with you today. We we don't want that. That's not our intent, right? Um, it evolves into that because of how reactive we are to the conversations, the situations. And because, as you said, the judgment and the ego and the um, taking things personal and and so on. So for me, it's always reminding myself of that and saying, okay, why does this person think that this is a good idea? Why does this person support this point of view? I'm sure there is a good intention behind it. So when I try to get to what is the intent behind, it helps me to be more Less judgmental, right? Because I'm not taking it from the point of view of just you're just doing it to make me look bad or, yeah, to you know put the opposite idea on the table that what I'm saying. But what is the intent behind? And I I believe that in general, people have good intents, of course, there's always exceptions, but um,
1: yeah, and the other
0: thing that has been really helpful to me, and I think it relates to what you're saying is setting intentions so when I know that there's going to be a meeting or a conversation that I know it's going to be it's going to become an argument or where there's going to be really polarized points of view or is with someone that typically I am more judgmental with for whatever reason yeah I like to like two minutes before the meeting like setting tensions and just start with saying, okay, for this meeting, this is how I want to show up. Yeah. And I think that just, you know, it helps me to show up that way. But also during the conversation, I am more aware when there is a gap between what my intention was and how am I actually showing up?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I love what you said. Oh, it's it's fascinating listening to um, what you're sharing now. And um, I sound like you <laughs> when, um, I say the same thing to my clients in organizations. I say, none of you get up in the morning and get ready to come to work thinking, how can I go and be terrible and horrible and make things go bad? You know, none of you do that. You're all doing wanting to do your best you know in fact there's a, an acronym that um that we came up with in one of the organizations where i coached the executive team and the acronym is api assume positive intent so this is part of their culture now through the whole organization they use this acronym api assume positive intent
0: i love and that
1: you, you just reminded <laughs> me of that it's it's so true and to have that that intention you know i think also it's very helpful to um tell yourself, going into these these conversations or communications that might be a little bit, you know, to tell yourself, I have nothing to defend. You know, I have nothing to defend, it's okay. You know, because if if we feel that we have to defend, which means we feel like we're potentially being attacked or our ideas are being attacked, and or this is the way that it should be, and we hold on very tightly to the mm-hmm. way we think things should be. That's when we can trip up in this miscommunication because we get emotional, we get defensive, we can become aggressive, or or at least we we're very reactionary. Um, we can become quite um, stiff and brittle. Mm-hmm. And when you're stiff and brittle, you break. You can break. You know, or at least you're you, you you're not open to um, to being adaptive or flexible, and we need to be adaptive and flexible, right? So rather than feeling holding on so tightly to the way you think things should be, just loosen your grip a little bit. You know, just loosen and become more like bamboo. You know, bamboo is beautiful and flexible and very strong. So you can have an internal strength. You can have integrity to your core values, and you can be flexible and supple. You know, just loosen your grip a little bit, and and I think it's, um, it's a good way to approach communication.
0: Yeah, I love that. It's not this or that, but you can have both, right? You can be strong and firm, but at the same time flexible and, and, and relaxed and and open to new ideas, right? Um. And I think that is an important distinction because a lot of times we feel like, is this or is that? If if I'm too flexible, if I'm too soft, then they're going to take advantage of me. Or if I'm too firm, then people are not going to listen to me. And I think you can be both and hold both at the same time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can be both. And the way to be both strong and have a core of integrity and to you know to to have that internal strength and to be flexible and adaptable i think the way to do that is to remember you don't need to be defensive you know you don't need to feel like i have to defend my ideas or defend myself or you know if you if you can let go of that if you can come to a, an understanding that you are safe within your own integrity then, then you have this internal strength and then you can be adaptable into the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm. So, Gem, talking about communication, I know that you are working a lot in this space and you just uh, publish a book and launch, launch, uh, you're launching some courses online. Tell us a little bit about uh, this book that you just published.
1: Yeah, it's called The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men. Uh, When I was first writing it, it was The Art of Conscious Communication more broadly, and and I was writing for everybody. And I had a book writing mentor here in Australia, uh, Susan Pierce. And Susan said to me, Jem, you need to pick an audience. Um, I love the manuscript, but it's very broad. You need to pick an audience. And she suggested to me, she said, I think um, men really need this book right now. Uh, and so I started writing it for men I do I feel passionate about um, evolving for, for men to evolve and to get better at communication and I'm I'm generalizing here of course mm-hmm. um, but I feel passionate about this as well because you know our young boys are born into a culture where they are indoctrinated um, with an old old outdated stereotype of you know, suck it up, man up, toughen up, you know, don't cry like a girl. Can you believe mm-hmm. we tell our boys that? It's ridiculous. Um, but we're we we we're, we're teaching these boys that they can't be emotional or vulnerable um, and through this patriarchal system and that they need to dominate. to 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 be a man, you have to dominate. And all of these terrible ideas, which I understand were valid in the past, but they're not valid anymore. We need to evolve, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think really now... Um, And I I believe that most men are are wanting to be able to be emotionally connected and and expressive and communicative and love and listen to their partners and and to each other in the workplace and not dominate, you know, but we don't teach our our boys how to do this. So the book is written for men, but it's funny uh, Carolina, uh, it's usually women that pick up the book off the shelf and read it and love it and write me an email going, uh, you know, I'm a woman and I read your book and I love it. It's awesome. And I'm now I'm giving it to my husband or my yes. son or my brother. Um, so that's, that's the book. And there's lots of, um, well, there's lots of my, my stories of my, you know, very colorful travels around the world, but also very practical applications of the learnings in terms of communication and accessing emotions and your relationship with yourself and others and all of that kind of thing so that's the book Um, there's also for people who want to get a bit of an idea of me uh, there's a TEDx talk that I did as well. uh, I was asked to do on communication and it's only a 10 minute watch. So it only takes 10 minutes out of your time. But I think there's there's some ideas in there that are worth sharing as well. So if you just- And
0: we'll put the link on the show notes of the podcast episode. So everyone can check out the tech talk, uh, but also we'll put the link to the book for anyone that wants to grab a copy and learn more on this topic.
1: Yeah, awesome. And we've just put together, I've got a team that have been- Helping me build a course for leaders in the corporate world, and it's specifically on communication for the modern leader and communication post-pandemic communication, because a lot of things have changed and a lot of the way that we do things has had to change. Communication, we've had to find new ways to remain connected with each other through restrictions and and isolation, and even as we come back into the workforce into the workplace now. times have changed people are noticing times have changed and you know it's it's a different world now so how do we communicate effectively how do we create uh engaged teams of of people who really feel that their work is meaningful and that they're in a, a as a part of a collective to create something in the future that is worthwhile you know how do we communicate that and have people expanding into their potential so we've created an online course for that. If people are interested to find out about that, um, I'll give you the link for that as well.
0: Yeah, I that is fascinating. And again, being in the corporate world, I live that every day, right? It's been like, I think there is a before and after the pandemic when it comes yeah. to ways of working. And I think that is not only about the ways of working, but again, if communication zooms up for 80% of all the issues that we face in the workplace, it has to be at the heart of the new ways of working as well. We can't expect to communicate in the same way that we used to now that we're working in a completely different world. We're more hybrid work, more global teams. We have realized that You know, we did our work from home, so now we can work from anywhere. And that means that you have more diversity in teams. You are in more global calls. More calls are virtual versus in person. Um, And I think that has had positive and negative impacts into the way people feel a sense of belonging into their teams and their companies but also just in the sense of engagement and productivity and the amount of potential misunderstandings that can happen because of those gaps in communication. Again, because we're not in the same room and it's easy to make assumptions on, oh, I already communicated that, or we already talk about that, but it resonates differently when you're using different communication channels.
1: Yeah, it's so true. So true. And you know, so much of um effective communication when we're in the same room together is nonverbal, you know, and it and it's and very subtle. Yeah. You know, because we've got six senses. And we, you know it's it's what not just what you hear, but what you can see and what you can feel in the room, and even what you smell. And you know it's it, there's so much of communication that is more than just the words, right? so and so because we're we're having to communicate remotely, um that presents a whole bunch of new challenges, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of times you sometimes you can see the other person. Um, now more people are using video conferencing, but there's also like Zoom or Teams fatigue and people yeah. are not in the cameras or you only see an extract, right? You don't see the full person. You're not seeing all the body language, uh, when you're communicating virtually and, and I mean, I can't remember what the numbers are. You probably know better than I do, but I think 55 to 60 percent of the communication is nonverbal.
1: Yeah, that's right. Something like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, can you share um, from this from from this course one one mm. little nugget, one thing that uh, listeners can walk away and say, "Oh, that is an interesting point that I can try tomorrow to be more effective in my communication."
1: yeah it starts with you improving your communication starts with your communication with yourself and this is something that we overlook but I believe it's the start of it because the way you communicate with yourself your self-talk very much flavors your relationship with self you know and your relationship with self is um, very much flavors the quality of your mind you know, if you, if you mm-hmm. are someone who is, is, you know, self-loathing, say, down that end, and when you are alone and you look at yourself in the mirror, you use horrible words when you talk to yourself. You know, you look at yourself and you think, oh, you're disgusting or you're hopeless or you're no good, or we cuss. We use terrible cuss words when we're talking to ourselves. That affects your relationship with yourself. And your relationship with, with yourself is the quality of your mind. And your experience of everything is in your mind,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? We, we receive don't see it the
0: world them. as it is. We see it as we are.
1: Uh-huh, right? So if the quality of your mind isn't great, your version of the world isn't great. And you're a version of other people, which you see other people. You have a projection of people in your mind. And so your relationships are not great with others if your relationship with yourself is not great. So I believe it starts internally with you and to start to be aware of the quality of the communication with yourself. And we can be much more kind. Now, we can still have a benchmark of how we want to show up. We can still hold ourselves and say, "I, I want to be my best. I want to try and do my best. I want to grow and improve and evolve. And I want to strive to be great. You can still strive to be great, but you can coach up, coach yourself up, not down mm-hmm. rather than saying, oh, you idiot, you terrible person, <laughs> you know, say, hey, come on, I believe in you. you, you can do better, right? So to to talk to ourselves positively, I think is a good start.
0: Yeah, they say that the most important story that you have ever will tell is the one you tell to yourself, right? Like that self-talk yeah. is... yeah. It's so important, and we underestimate it, right? We always are yeah. focusing outwards, where you know any work that we do in becoming better, a better leader, a better colleague, uh, a better partner, it all starts with us. Yeah, we can't virtually. expect anything to change around us if we're not willing to take the first step and be the the first ones to change and. And be precursors of of the change that we want to see around us,
1: yeah. so chapter one in the book is it starts with you.
0: I love it. yeah, I mean, it's been amazing to have you here today. I really appreciate your perspectives on all these amazing topics. um you know, communication, I think, as I said, it's 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 foundational to anything that we do. Um, in personal relationships at work in how we interact with the world so thank you so much for being here today before we break up for the podcast today can you share with the listeners how can they contact you or how where can they find you if they want to learn more about your work and connect with you what is the best way
1: um, I oh, look the, the, best way, the hub of everything is the website, which is gemfuller.com. Gem with a J, J E M gemfuller.com. Um, and obviously on all the socials, I'm, I'm gemfuller. If you want to follow me there, um, the TEDx talks there for you to look at my book, you can get anywhere. If you prefer Amazon or Booktopia or my website or however you want to do that, that's fine. But perhaps I could offer your listeners a gift if that's okay with you.
0: That would be um, I great. Have a,
1: I have a mindfulness meditation course. It's a it's mindfulness made easy. It's um, ten modules, and you can download them and keep them forever and listen to them over and over. But it's an introduction to mindfulness meditation, and I'm hoping that it makes it easy for people. Um, and the course, I, I would like to offer your listeners the course for free. So if they go to my website and go to my online courses, and then and find the the meditation course. When they go to the checkout page, just pop in the, the coupon code gift" as one word. So "spring gift," and then that'll make the course free for you and you can download it and keep it forever.
0: Thank you so much for that. What an amazing gift. And we'll make sure that we put all the link and the details also on the show notes of the podcast. So Everyone listening today can take advantage of this amazing gift. Thank you so much, Jem. It's been a pleasure having you here in the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show, Carolina. I really appreciate it.